Pastor Lau and Pastor Dala Haperset would like to welcome you to the following message from New Hope International Church in Seattle, Washington. Here is Pastor Lau's anointed teaching that will change your life with love, hope, and peace in Jesus Christ. And now, Pastor Lau. I'm so thirsty. So let us listen to the Word of God together and let the Word of God come in and change us. Father in heaven, we thank you so much, Lord, that you gave us the Bible to read. You gave us the Holy Spirit to be our teacher. Lord, we realize that we are sinners by nature. We have the sinful nature of Adam. And Eve, but we have been made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ. But that flesh, the sinful nature, is still in us, and we try to die to our flesh. We ask the Holy Spirit to give us grace to be able to push the flesh down, and the Spirit of God raises up from the way of the flesh, so that we can do what is right in Your eyes. And we can obey your word, Father. We thank you, Lord, that you are working in us and through us. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. I would like to continue the teaching in a series called "Greater Blessing." I have taught four sermon already. This is going to be number five, and I invite you to go back to listen to the first four. I'm the type of Teacher, a pastor who like to teach everything in depth and detail. We want to study a subject in detail so that we will not only know half of it, or one fourth of it, or twenty five percent of it. We want to know the whole thing completely, so that we will not be deceived by the enemy or by the system of the world. The more we understand the Bible completely and wholly, we. Can protect ourselves. First Peter chapter two verse five. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We need to meditate on the Word of God, and we need to obey the Word of God. And when we obey the Word of God, we can really. Come to the victory and come to the prosperity. In Amplified Bible, the same verse, First Peter two five, it says this way: Come and like living stones, be yourself built into a spiritual house for a holy, dedicated, consecrated priesthood to offer up those spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable and pleasing to God through Jesus Christ. The Bible says that we have been made a holy priesthood. The Book of Revelation talk about this too. In chapter one, verses four to six, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from Him who is and who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before His throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from The dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us 
from our sins in His own blood. And I want to emphasize verse six: and has made us kings and priests to His God and Father. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The Bible says that the Lord Jesus Christ have made us to become kings. Kings mean a person who have the ruling authority on our own life. I can command sickness to go away. I can command demon to leave my house and my church. I have authority, ruling authority. But also priests, we have become kings and priests in the kingdom of God unto our Father. And in order to be the holy priests of God, we need to understand about the priesthood. How do we understand the priesthood? We need to understand the Old Testament. If we neglect the Old Testament, we will lack the foundation to understand the New Testament, because the Old Testament is the shadow or the type of what is fulfilled in the New Testament. We have been made a priesthood unto the Lord. What do the priests do? Either in the Old Testament or the New Testament, a big part of what the priests in the Old Testament did was to bring sacrifices and offerings to the Lord. They took a large amount of time and energy and effort to do this job. We, as a holy priesthood, we must offer up spiritual. Everyone says spiritual sacrifices, holy and acceptable. And pleasing to God, the Word of God says spiritual sacrifices. What does it mean, spiritual? We may think that our offering, because they are spiritual, have nothing to do with natural things. No, that is a misunderstanding. Spiritual leaders are also natural people. Whom we can associate with and fellowship with, the expression of the spirituality comes out through many natural vehicles and many natural ways that people who don't understand the word spiritual can miss the spirituality. They cannot tell whether others are spiritual or not. They have a false concept about being spiritual. Being spiritual mean. Number one, God is real to you, and you believe in God. Two, you follow the way of God. Three, you work with the Holy Spirit. Christians who are spiritual do not have to produce anything or make up anything, because God is so real to them. God works in them, and God works through them, and don't have to make anything up. They don't have to pretend. That God touched them, because God is so real. God manifests in them and through them in a real way. In the true spirituality, you don't make up any action or manifestation. Some people may try to pretend or come out in a weird way in order to show that you know I'm so spiritual, but they pretend. God is real. He said that we are His holy priesthood, and we ought to offer spiritual sacrifices. It does not mean that 
our offering have nothing to do with the natural things. Our prayers can be fleshly or spiritual. We can just pray out of tradition, or we pray from the Holy Spirit by faith. We can sing praises, and our singing can be fleshly. Just sing, just make noise in the air. Oh, spiritual! Come out from faith, and come out from love toward God. We can bring an offering, and it can be fleshly or spiritual. We can do a service for the Lord or serve the Lord, and it can be fleshly or spiritual. Our church parking lot workers stand out there in the cold weather. Do you appreciate them? Do you appreciate our ushers and children teachers? They are not complaining. They are not fussy. They are glad to serve you and honor the Lord. They communicate faith and love to people who come to the church. Is their service a spiritual sacrifice? Yes. Even though they are human being, they are in a natural realm, and what they are doing look natural, but they do it out of the anointing and the heart of love and sacrifice and the heart of faith. If God's servant just go through the motions of the service, and they're griping and complaining, and they don't want to be there at that service. Their work for God are fleshly, but when they serve from their heart and they want to honor the Lord and please Him, and to do it in faith, their services are spiritual sacrifices, acceptable and well pleasing to God. What is the acceptable offering? The offering is something you offer to give to somebody. When something is offered, it does not mean that it is always received. Some preacher think this way: if I shake people long enough by my preaching, money will fall out of their pockets, and they will be blessed. No, they won't be blessed. Because they feel pushed, they feel condemned, they feel guilty not to give. So they give out of being pushed to put the money in the offering bag, and God does not accept the offering. It's not acceptable. Before I go on, I want to say this way: in my preaching here, I have no hidden agenda to get any money from you, to get anything from you to the church or to myself. I'm trying to educate you. The way of God, and I want you to be mature. I want you to please God, and your spiritual sacrifices will be acceptable and pleasing to God. The best person in the world you want to please is God, because He is the source of everything, and He died for you. He sacrificed His life for you. You need to please Him. You can bring a big check, and the Lord will not receive it. People might receive it. New Hope International Church will receive your check, but it doesn't mean that the Lord receive it. There is a number of things that make our offering acceptable or unacceptable to God. In the book of Genesis, we have learned about the first offerings. You know, the offering started from Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve gave offering to God, and they taught their children, 
Actually, the offering is just not happen only in New Hope in this 21st century. It happened from the first book of Genesis down. The offering of the Lord. Cain and Abel brought their offerings to the Lord. God did not receive Cain's offering, but He did receive Abel's offering. There are reasons why the Lord did not receive Cain's offering. Please go back to listen to the first two sermon of this series. You're going to learn in detail why God did not accept Cain's offering. Noah and his family were spared from the flood after they went out of the boat. Their feet touched the ground. Noah built an altar and offered a precious seed to the Lord. Everyone say, precious seed, not left over, ready to throw in the garbage can. Okay, he gave very valuable precious seed. Why? Let me explain to you. He had a few animals that were left to repopulate the planet. He took several of them and burned them up. Think about conservation. For some species, there were only two of them left in the world in that generation. But God was so nice. To them, God told Noah to keep seven of clean animals, not two. So after he offered some to some of them to God, the clean animal, there were not several anymore. Maybe only a few left. A lot of folks would say to Noah, "No, you don't do that. You have only seven left on the earth. You should not think about." Killing all these animals to keep offering the sacrifice to God, the Lord did not say that to Noah. He received Noah's offering, even though he had so little amount of animals, but he gave to the Lord, and those offerings were a sweet aroma, sweet fragrance, and smell to the King of all kings. Some people think that only the wealthy. Or the affluent are responsible to give, and they should feel condemned if they don't. Actually, Noah did not have a lot at that time. Only seven clean animals. That's not a lot. Not not million. Only seven. Like you have seven dollars, and he gave some of them to the Lord and have only small left over. Some people are upset when they hear that poor people ought to give. The Old Testament. Is a type and a shadow of the New Testament. Let me explain to you. Both the poor and the rich should give. Why? Under the old covenant, nobody was exempt from giving. The Lord never say, "Only the rich can give," and the poor did not have to. The Lord made provision for the poor so that they were able to give. There were certain kinds of offering that the poor could give in the Old Testament. If you are a wealthy person, you would have brought a bull, which was worth good amount of money. If you were not wealthy, you are in the middle class. The Lord allowed you to bring a lamb to offer to Him, because you did not have much. But if you are in the level of Nothing much in your bank account. You are not very rich, and you are not even the middle class. You're getting by each month. You could have brought two turtle doves, cheaper, 
Leviticus chapter 5 verse 7 say, And if his hand reach not to the sufficiency of a lamb. So if a man doesn't have enough money to buy a lamb to give to God, then he hath brought in his guilt offering, he who hath sinned, two turtle doves or two pigeons to Jehovah, one for a sin offering and one for a burnt offering. If you could not even afford two turtle doves because you're so poor, you could have brought some flowers to God. Everybody brought something to the Lord. You should not come to church bare hand and say, you know, I'm poor, I cannot give. The Bible does not say that if your income is below this amount, bless your heart, you don't need to bring anything to the Lord. No, he didn't say that. Every believer is supposed to come before the Lord and bring his or her offering in faith, in love, and in joy. The Bible said this again and again. Come before the Lord and give him honor. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 29. Give to the Lord the glory he deserves. Bring your offering. Is this only to a few people? No, this is the, the encouragement or the command to every believer. Bring your offering and come into his presence. Oh, I'm so glad next Sunday we're going to go back to church and we're going to come into his presence and worship the Lord in all his holy splendor. The Lord said several times in Scripture, Come before my presence with a thankful heart and worship me and give offering to me. Giving offering to the Lord is the way to show that you are my king. I bring my gift to you. I appreciate you so much. You sent Jesus Christ to die for me. Otherwise, I would be in hell. I can go to heaven. I have a new life. You love me. You saved me. I want to let you know I appreciate you so much. I love you so much in action. Sometimes words are cheap. You can say, I love God. Very cheap. You don't need to spend anything except a little bit of energy to move your vocal cord and make the voice out. But when you bring offering, it's real that you are serious about loving God. We should not come to Him with empty hands. You may say, but Pastor Lau, I don't have anything to give. If you have food to eat, <laughs> you can bring a handful of meal. If you cannot have money to give, you have food, you can bring some meal to church and give to God. The Lord has made a provision for everybody, from the rich to the poor. It is a matter of the heart. Luke chapter 21, verses 1 to 4. As he, mean Jesus, looked up, Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also noticed a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Wow, two copper coins, like a two cents. I tell you the truth. He said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. God's idea is different from man's idea. Pastor Dan, I noticed that every time we're going to go to the mission trip, maybe Thailand or Europe, 
people who gave us some love offering personally, give hand us an envelope with the cash inside. Usually, those who are poor people in the church, they say, "Pastor, use this in your mission trip, or give to somebody, or whatever you want. We want to support your mission." Wow, the poor gave a lot. The Bible talks about a woman here, a poor widow, widow, no husband, and poor, who gave two coins in the temple. It was not a big amount by numbers, but it was a big amount percentage-wise. Hundred percent of her money was given to God. Jesus said, "This poor widow." Has put in more than all the others. This story put all of us on the equal footing, equal in the same boat. In other words, this story makes no difference how much money you have. It does not matter how little money you have made. You can give more money than everybody in the church, even though you are poor in the eyes of God. Maybe you're so poor. But the money you give, maybe only five dollars out of your wallet with ten dollars, in the eyes of God, that five dollars is more than two hundred dollars from the hand of the millionaire in the church. You can outgive people who are millionaire. The millionaire may give only two hundred dollars, but the poor person can give fifty percent of what is in. Her hand or his hand. There is no excuse for a person who is giving nothing and do nothing for God. There is nobody who is so bad off, in and such in a poor shape that can say, "Why do I need to give? They should give money to me. I'm not going to give. They should give to me. I'm not happy." Why the pastor talk about giving? Christians who honor the Lord. Are usually generous and happy to give. They give because they love God, and they love the people, and people like generous Christians. You may not have a lot of money, but you can give something else. Maybe in your house you can cook something and bring food to another family. You can gather all the discount coupons in magazine at your home. And gave them to other families. You can sow, and if you want to sow, you can sow. I remember when I and Pastor Da started the church. We have two kids, and we have to pay mortgage, almost half of my income. My income at that time was very small as a student. We open our home, we use our home as a church. We cook and feed people. We were not wealthy at all. Well, I was a student with very little income, but we gave our house, and we used all of our money to serve the Lord at that time. I was even using a very small, rundown car when I first came to America. God gave us the seed to sow. If we are a sowers, God will give us more seed. We want to thank God. If you have not been giving, don't feel guilty, because you may not have been taught 
in the past. Don't feel condemned. Don't feel bad. Condemnation puts you in bondage and holds you back. Stir yourself up today. I tell you the truth. This sermon is for me. My background when I grew up in Thailand. I tell you the truth. I'm not lying. I'm a very stingy, selfish man. I don't like to give at all. This is my background. Thank God I married a very generous woman, Pastor Da. She know God since she was young. And after I read the Bible and I study the Bible, I repent and I learn to give. I learn to give tithe and offering and bless the kingdom of God. I stir myself up to give and to be a blessing to somebody. You don't have to always be on the receiving end or the needing end. You can be a tool or a vessel that God uses to meet somebody else's need and to help them. Be the giver. It is more blessed to give than to receive. In the story in the Bible, God so spectacularly took his people out of the Egyptian bondage. God took a nation. Imagine this. God took a whole nation out from the midst of another powerful nation for himself. They had no might, no weapons, no soldier, no military training, no ability, no money. They could no way have fought their way out of Egypt. They were slaves. They could not have bought their way out of it. No money. God took them out with a high hand, mighty power, Signs and wonders. Exodus chapter 14 verse 8 say, And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he pursued after the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with a high hand, mean the mighty hand of God. In another version say like this, And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he pursued the children of Israel. This is New King James Version. And the children of Israel went out with bonus. Deuteronomy 6, 21 to 23. Then you shall say to your son, We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders before our eyes, great and severe, against Egypt, Pharaoh and his household. There he bought us out from there and he might bring us in to give us the land of which he swore to our fathers. Wow, we were brought out from the hand of Satan as well by the Lord Jesus Christ. By his mighty hand, we should appreciate the work of the cross. God brought the children of Israel out in order to fulfill his promise that he gave to his covenant men, Isaac, I'm sorry, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I love the promise of God about family because I know God keep his covenant to a man of faith like me, to my children, and to my grandchildren. I hold on to that promise 
God, you bless me. I serve you. I love you. You're gonna bless my children and grandchildren and great grandchildren to the thousand generation. Now he want to make the covenant with the children of Israel in Moses' time, and he want to draw them to himself. As soon as he brought them through the Red Sea deliverance, and they traveled not too long from the Red Sea. He told them to meet him at the mountain. These portions of man history was very significant. It had never happened like it before, and it never happened again. God said, "Meet me at this mountain," and he manifested himself. He came down on the mountain in fire and smoke and glory and cloud. He spoke to the children of Israel. Millions of people heard the audible, living voice of the Almighty God. They were shaking. The whole nation heard Him, the audible voice, and God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. His audible voice shook them to the core. The elders went to Moses and said, "Please, you go up there and talk to the Lord." You tell us whatever he tell us to do, and we will do. We are so afraid that he gonna do something to us. We so shocked to hear the voice of God. We hear him speak, and we may die. Our God is so powerful. The whole nation heard God's voice. They were so fearful. They told Moses, "You go up and talk to him," and Moses did. And the Lord gave Moses the Ten Commandments and several statutes and ordinances, which contain what was right to do in life. Exodus chapter twenty-four, verse one. Now he said to Moses, "Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and the seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar." This was a personal invitation from the Almighty God. God invited Moses, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and the seventy of the elders to go up and visit him. This was a big deal. Everyone said, "Big deal!" Wow! Can you imagine if God invited you to meet Him personally? Is it a big deal? It's a big deal. Amen. It's like a The president invites you to meet him at his home. It's a big deal. Exodus twenty-four verse two. And Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come near, nor shall the people go up with him. God warned the people. He put a barrier. Let me explain this scripture. God put a barrier around the whole base of the mountain. Nobody else should get closer than the barrier. At the base of the mountain, but Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and the seventy of the elders could come up closer, and Moses could come up even closer to God. Three levels here: people, the leaders come up to this level of the mountain, but Moses went up to close to God, the closest. Three level of coming. To meet the glory of the Lord, Exodus chapter twenty-four, nine to ten. Then Moses went up, and Aaron 
Nadab and Abihu and seventy of the elders of Israel, and they saw the God of Israel. Wow, they saw with their own eyes, and there was under his feet as it were a paved work of sapphire stone, and it was like the very heavens in its clarity. Moses also Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and the seventy of the elders of Israel did not see God's face, but they saw His form, His light, His glory, and His power. They were looking, and they knew that it was Him. They saw the God of Israel, Exodus chapter twenty-four, ten to eleven, and they saw the God of Israel, and there was under His feet, and it. Were a paved work of sapphire stone, and it was like the very heavens in its clarity. But on the nobles of the children of Israel, he did not lay his hand. It means he did not punish them. So they saw God, and they ate and drank. They have a party. They have a celebration before the eyes of God in the presence of God. The children of Israel sat down and had good meal. In the presence of God, celebration. This was a big event of establishment of the first covenant with Moses and with his people, whom he pulled out of Egypt for himself. Verses twelve to eighteen. The Lord said to Moses, "Come up to me on the mountain, and be there, and I will give you tablets of stone, and the law and the commandments which I have written, and you may teach them." So Moses arose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up to the mountain of God, and he said to the elders, "Wait here, for us until we come back to you. Indeed, Aaron and Ur are with you. Any man has a difficulty, let him go to them." Then Moses went up into the mountain, and a cloud covered the mountain. Now the glory of the Lord. Rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days, and on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. The sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire, on the top of the mountain, in the eyes of the children of Israel. Can you imagine? You put yourself there. You were standing there. You saw the mountain, and you saw the cloud, the fire on the mountain. And your pastor up there, so Moses went into the midst of the cloud and went up into the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain forty days and forty nights. Is this event big? Wow, very big! God has sat down and allowed Moses, Aaron, and Nadab, and Abihu, and the seventy of the elders of Israel to see him, but not his face. Not long after this event, Moses said, "I want to see your face," and the Lord told him, "You cannot see my face; it is too much for you to handle. You cannot see my face; otherwise, you will die. No one can see God's face in this body." Exodus chapter thirty-three, verses eighteen to twenty. And he said, "Please show me your glory." Then God said, "I will make my." All of my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I hope that I'm one of them. God is gracious to me, and I will have compassion. I'm one of them on whom I will have compassion. But He said, "You cannot see my face, 
for no man shall see me and live. A mortal man cannot look at God's face, because his mortal body and eyes cannot survive when there is too much power. One day, our body will be changed in a twinkling of an eye, and we're going to have a new glorious body, and we all will be able to stand before the throne of God, and. Look at his face. We will not be able to look at him now. We will be full of joy on that day, unspeakable and full of glory. Right now, when we are in the presence of God, when the fire of God fall and touch us, I love the presence of God. I tell you, I love to be in the tangible presence of God. When I am in the tangible presence of God, I receive a foretaste of His glory on this earth. But we will get the full experience later in heaven. The children of Israel had a covenant meal. God told Moses, "Come up, come up here," and the glory of the Lord was with them. On the seven days, He called Moses to go up and meet Him. He wanted to say something. God wanted to say something. What God said was important. Is that right? Do you agree with me? What God says is important. I am surprised by the first thing that he said. Let us look at what he said here. The first thing he said when Moses met him. Everyone says first thing, what God said. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, "Speak to the children of Israel. Speak to the members of New Hope International Church. Speak to all the believers in this generation that they bring me an offering." From everyone who gives it willingly, with his heart, you shall take my offering. What is the first thing he said? Does what God said have an effect on you? The offering of the Lord is important, but we may not see its importance because we don't know the Bible. Now I show you in the Bible. If the Lord would have said to you, "Don't bring money to me again," we would not. We would say, "Okay, I'm not going to bring money to you because he command me." But in contrast, he said an important thing to, of all the things that he could have said in the first sentence, first sentence, he said, "Bring offering to me." What he said, he want us to do. Moses was up on a mountain in the glory of God. His knees might have been shaking. He probably was holding on to a rock. To keep himself from falling down. <laughs> Imagine the Lord said, "Come close to me. I want to tell you something, so that you can tell my people." The Lord started off by saying that they bring me an offering. This is after they got saved out of Egypt. From everyone, the first sentence he said after they came out, from everyone who give it willingly, not grudgingly. With his heart, you shall take my offering. When the Lord says, "Bring me an offering," what should you do? It should be a priority to you. The Bible mentions numerous times of offering. Many kinds of offering mentioned in the Bible: meal offering, drink offering, heave offering, guilt offering, sin offering, wave offering. Peace offering, free will offering, but the free will offering 
is what God say at the Mount Sinai. Willingly. The Hebrew language of the word willing here is nedaba, which means free motivation, voluntary offering, free will offering. No one forces you and me. No one demands from you and me. We give out of love, free will offering. When you love somebody, you give out of your willingness. Is that right? Anytime I bought something for Pastor Da, I feel so good. She never forced me, but because I love her. Voluntary, free will. A free will is significant to God. Will He accept your offering or not? Remember, a while ago we read First Peter chapter two verse five. Spiritual offering acceptable and pleasing to God. A free will offering is significant. The people of Israel were shaken to the core when they heard the voice of God. If the Lord would have said, "Everybody, you must bring everything." That you have to me now, oh, I believe they would have run and get something out of that tent and given to God, but they did it out of force. They may not want to do it, but because they're so afraid that God's going to kill them. But the Lord said to Moses, "You go and tell the people to bring a free will offering to me." Did they have to bring it? No. They don't have to. God did not say that they have to bring it. God told Moses to receive it from everyone who brought an offering willingly from their heart. Is this giving compulsory? No. Is this giving mandatory? No. Wearing the mask now is mandatory in the church by the government. We have to do it. Many of you may not want to do it. You may even be mad at me right now that Pastor Lau tell me to wear the mask. But I don't want to be in jail. You may not be in jail, but I'm in jail. It must be free will. Why did God put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden? Why did He tell Adam and Eve not to eat its fruit? I tell you the truth. Why? Why He put that tree and He tell Adam and Eve. Don't eat it, because friendship, love, offerings, gifts, and service, but they mean nothing unless you make a choice to give them. You are not forced. Friendship is free will. When somebody gives you a free will gift, wow, you feel so good. You feel like, wow. This is a free will offering. The friendship is being built because it's free; it's not forced. You cannot have real love and real loyalty without a choice. God wants Adam and Eve to make a choice to love Him and obey Him. He did not force them. You can show real love only when you have a choice, and you choose to serve the Lord instead of serving yourself. You choose to give your service to Him instead of doing something else with it. You choose to spend that money 
on God and not on yourself. It's your free will to give to the Lord, and that is a true friendship and true relationship. No demand, no force. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verses seven to eight. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly, or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. I love this scripture, and I know it happened to me in Pasadena all these years since we become a believer in 1981. We give our tithe to the Lord, we give love offering to the Lord, we give our energy, our home, everything. We sow and sow and sow, and because of His grace, we have all sufficiency. To do every good deed, we have abundance for every good work. God keep His promise in this scripture. The Bible says, "So let each one give as he purposes in his heart." Is that free will? Your own purpose. No one forced you. This sentence has to do with priority. Every man chooses to do this. Instead of doing that, you cannot spend one amount of money on three different things at the same time. Let us say that we have one hundred dollars. Can we spend that amount of money on ourselves and on somebody else? We cannot. After we spend the one hundred dollars on ourselves, we cannot give it to somebody else. No, we cannot give it. You make a choice. What is your priority? You say I'm going to do this instead of that. That is your priority. Is that right? So, my brother and sister, I tell you the truth. Your giving show how much you love God. Really, if God is number one in your heart, you give. I always say to Pastor Da, you can use anything in my credit card. All my money is yours. You can do anything. You know why? I love her. I never think pass her down money and my money. No, no. The money that I make as a doctor is hers, because she is my priority, and my children are my priority. My grandchildren are my priority, and my church member are my priority. I'm talking about the world here. I'm not talking about God right now, but God is my priority. Let me read one more scripture, and I will continue next Sunday. So I have to preach three times here. It's a long sermon. Proverbs chapter ten, verse twenty-two: The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and He adds no sorrow with it. I want the blessing of God. When God bless me with something, it is not a burden to me to keep up and to take care of it. I remember sometimes people tell me, "Doctor, why don't you buy a boat and enjoy Lake Washington?" And I pray to God. God say, "No. No boat for you." If God say yes, I will buy it. But God say no, 
<laughs> and I know why God say no. I don't want to explain to you right now. Be- that boat, if God say no to me, it's not a blessing. It's a burden. If it's a blessing from God, and God bless you and add something into your life, it's a good blessing, and it's not a burden. But the problem is, if you try to get something with your flesh, you try to you, you crave for something, and you try to get it not from God out of your own flesh, it's going to be your burden. It's going to be hard on you. For example, you may want to drive a certain kind of car. God doesn't want you to buy that car. God wants you to buy another car. You buy it anyway with a high price. You have to pay a high insurance premium. And you try to please your flesh and it becomes a burden to you. And the Lord may say to you, Son, I don't care if you have a dozen of this kind of car, but your giving is not there compared to your desire to have this car. Your priorities are not right. You want that car more than the kingdom of God. Now you have no money to give tithes and offering because you keep paying the bank, the interest. You have no money left to give to God. And you take all of your faith to make payment on your car. But you are not giving nor sowing into the kingdom of God. You violate the first principle of prosperity. You are going to be messed up until you are straightened out your life. Not to be in debt. Not to overspend. Not to walk in the flesh. The master key to prosperity is to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. God will bring what you need to you and you shall be wise in the area of finances so that you can give financial offering, free will offering to the Lord. Instead of incurring more and more debts, you should give money to the Lord and sow financial seeds. It is a matter of priorities. Exodus 25, 3-7 And this is the offering which you shall take from them. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linens, and goat's hair, ram skin, dye red, badger skin, and acacia wood, and for the light, the spices for the anointing oil, and for the sweet incense, onyx stones, and stone to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. Why was God telling them to bring this precious thing to him, he had a plan for them to build something. I will continue next Sunday. What we learn about free will offering here. In conclusion today, God wants us to be the priest. God wants us to bring spiritual sacrifices to him. Sacrifice something. Maybe you sacrifice buying a sport car. Sacrifice of drinking coffee too much. You have that money to give to God. Spiritual sacrifice. We are the priests of God. And giving offering to God started from Adam and Eve. And we want our offering to be acceptable to God. And one of the ways to give God that our offerings are acceptable is 
having willingness, free will, offering. God will not force us. And God look at the percentage we give. God doesn't look at the absolute amount you give. The first sentence he spoke to the children of Israel. After they came out from Egypt, from slavery, from bondage, is bring me an offering with the willingness of your heart. My brothers and sisters, maybe you have been saved for 30 years and you haven't done that. Maybe it's a good idea that you bring an offering to the Lord. Willingness. Volunteer. No one forced you. You bring some offering to the Lord and say, God, I thank you so much that you saved me. Not junk, not leftover, not something for the garbage can, not leftover money. You go to Paris, you bring $2,000 money to enjoy Paris. But for God, you give $2. That is junk to you. That is not precious gift. You do like Noah. You give precious gift to the Lord. We continue next time. And we're going to read the Old Testament, the time of Moses. We're going to read the time of King David. And we're going to read the New Testament. The free will offering all the way to do something for the kingdom of God. Amen. I hope the scripture today renew your mind. You think the way the Bible say. And you shall be a generous giver toward the kingdom of God. And the Lord promised you that His grace will abound in your life and you shall have more than enough to do every good thing. My observation as a pastor of the church, I have been pastor for almost 40 years now. I noticed one thing. Every generous giver receives special favor from God. And they never get poorer. They get better and better. And God not only gives them financial blessing, good health, protection, grace, favor. God is touched by the generous heart. Do you want to touch the heart of God? Be generous. Give Him free will offering. Father, we thank you so much for teaching all of us to be the right kind of Christian. Lord, we don't feel condemned. We don't feel guilty to hear this message. It's the teaching. It's the truth to cleanse our heart and mind, to renew our mind so that we will think the way you think. We will not follow the pattern of the world. The world say, me, me, me. Take, take, take. Me, me. But you say, live for God. Give. Be the blessing. Serve. So, help people, and you shall help us. We reap what we sow, Father. Thank you, Father. Help all of us to be the generous giver. Help us to give to you and to people around us, whether our relative or our friend, our brother and sister, with a sincere heart. Lord, help all of us not to make the wrong choice. Try to get some material things out of the flesh, but incur many debts and we are in financial trouble. Help us to receive only the blessing from you that will not cause trouble to our life, Father. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let me pray for all of you. Father, 
I pray, Lord, whether my brother and sister here are rich or poor, or barely enough, they may be new believers, and they have not experienced divine prosperity. Lord, let them experience the blessing of giving, and they will be willing to give to you joyfully, cheerfully, and they shall see that heaven will be open over their life, and you shall pour your blessing upon them. They shall practice the principle of prosperity. Seek the kingdom of God first. First, more than anything else, you come first in our life, Father. Help us, Lord. Help everyone, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Pastor Dan, I pray for you, and we believe you are the doer of the Word of God here. Okay, God bless you. We trust that this message is ministered to you. If you would like more information about New Hope International Church or other teaching CDs, please contact us at 206-275-1042. You may also visit our website online at www.NewHopeInternationalChurch.com. I'm so thirsty.